here at uh, hearwomentalk.com and Hear Women Talk Radio. And I uh, want to encourage everybody to please visit the, the website and, and, and join and become a member. There's so many great ways for women to connect and, 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 and be together, inspire each other. And uh, that's part of what we're doing here today on, the, on this radio show. And, gosh, we're so lucky uh, that Katie Spots has, is going to be joining us momentarily for an interview. Uh, I'm sure many of you all know who Katie is, but uh, she has uh, was one of the first uh, people in America, actually, to uh, row across uh, the Atlantic, and she's going to tell us about her passion quest for adventure and uh, uh, some harrowing experiences, I'm, I'm sure, happened as well. You know what, the, the neat thing about Katie, though, is that uh, she's a woman of adventure and inspiration, and she's about helping others. So, Katie, are you here with us now? I'm here. Oh, great. Welcome. You you are living the life, and I'm so happy you're with us today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're, you're, I think you're back in Cleveland now, is that right? Yeah, I'm in uh, Cleveland right now. Um, I've been flying around quite a bit the last few weeks doing speaking engagements, but I'll be around here for the next year or so. Oh, fabulous. Wow. Well, you know, Katie, I would just love you to uh, sort of share a little bit about your background and, and uh, you know, in this, in this first segment of our show. You know, how, how did you end up deciding, hey, I think I will row across the ocean? How did that come to you? Well, um, I was, when I was 19, I was studying abroad in Australia. And um, I was on a bus and I was just chatting with the person next to me. And he mentioned that his friend rode across the Atlantic Ocean two times. Um, this woman did it once with her 55-year-old mother and then another time with her fiancé. And um, I was instantly intrigued. I, I wanted to know the types of people who did this feat, the types of boats that were used. And more importantly, I wanted to know if, if I could do it too. So it was about... A week later that I was calling home from uh, from Australia to my friends and family and announcing that I would be rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. So that's really where it all began. Mm, that's fabulous. Uh, and you ended up being in Australia on an exchange student program. Was that was part of college or was that the end of high school? When, where, where were you there? Yeah, that was my second year of college. It was a eight-month exchange program and I was living in Melbourne studying environmental science and um, yeah that's kind of that sparked a lot of uh, my interest in water as well well yes that's something uh, that I, I want to share with our, our listeners as well that uh, you know I, I mentioned that Katie's all about helping others in particular on this particular adventure she was helping raise awareness for the, the lack of safe drinking water that, that's available around the world Katie can you tell us a little bit about that Sure. Um, well, while I was studying in Australia, um, I was really struck by what I saw. I often see signs um, about water restrictions, and, and they had some rules and regulations that I just wasn't really used to being from the Midwest. I mean, I've never had to worry about water running out, and I especially never had to worry about uh, unsafe drinking water. In Australia, the issue was not having enough, but I quickly learned that over a billion people or about one in six people worldwide don't have access to um, safe drinking water. So um, I made it my mission. I, I decided that I would row for water, and uh, in doing so, I've 
to date raised about $100,000 for a charity called the Blue Planet Run. Um, they work all around the world to help communities gain access to safe drinking water. Wow. It, it, it's so amazing that, that we take for granted, of course, here in the United States, that, that we do have access to water. Certainly we have restrictions in, in drought conditions, but nothing like simply not having it available. Absolutely. It was completely mind-boggling for me because it's something I, I do take for granted. And when you think about water, it, it's something that we use all the time so to not have something as basic as water I, I couldn't understand it and um, what's really cool about the Blue Planet Run is they're able to provide one person access to safe drinking water for as little as $30 that's safe drinking water for life so they are really able to do a lot a little goes a long way with, with water the technology is there it's mainly just a matter of funding these projects that's amazing. $30 is all it takes to, to actually help out somebody who, who is suffering in this way. That's amazing. For life, yeah. Wow, for life. Now, now that's, you know, what's kind of interesting is that uh, you actually adopted this particular cause and, of course, associated with your desire for adventure. How did that come about? I mean, were you simply uh, moved by it and you just said, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to Google this. I'm going to find somebody that needs me. I mean, is that how it happened or what? Well, I, I I kind of started, I knew I wanted to do this row, but to really get me across, I wanted to feel like I was doing it for something bigger than myself. Um, I've done a few other challenges, and that's really what sets me over the edge in, in following through and uh, making it more fulfilling and meaningful and being able to share it with other people. And I, I felt like it would be a, a, a perfect fit to find something I believe in. And water water came up because of Australia. And uh, it was really just by searching on the Internet to find a, a charity that I felt would, would, uh, would be the best. And the Blue Plant Run stu stuck out because... First, 100% of the donations go to the projects themselves, and mm. I think that's huge. That's um, very good, sure that absolutely. Every penny, every penny goes to the projects, and uh, that was important. And then the other thing was transparency. I wanted to not only know that the funds were actually going to the projects, but I wanted to see the difference that was made. And so being able to see that is as easy as logging onto their website, you're able to see pictures and videos and all sorts of impact reports and, and uh, yeah, information about these projects, so it really brings it to life. And, uh, you know, being from the U.S. and not really having to worry about water issues, that's, that makes a huge difference, being able to see it up close and personal. You know, you know what I, I find especially moving about uh, sharing that story is, is you simply had a will to do something good, and then uh, you went after it, and you were able to find other people, seemingly ordinary people, that could do extraordinary things. And I think that's fabulous. I, I actually went to the uh, Blue Planet uh, Network and Blue Planet Run uh, website and was moved by the actual projects that they are starting and how many, how many lives they've touched. That organization's only been around for a short while. Isn't that right? Absolutely, yeah. It started in 2004, and the reason why it's called the Blue Planet Run is because they did the first and only around-the-world run. So they had 20 runners from all over the globe, and they were carrying the message that 
water is life, pass it on. They were raising awareness of this issue, and um, yeah, they just circled the globe, passing this baton from one runner to the to the next. And they're all about grassroots re- grassroots efforts and and um, enabling all walks of life to get involved. Wow, that's so that's so exciting, and you know. One thing that I that I, uh, I learned uh, from some of your blogs and that kind of thing is that you're sort of like that too. You're you're all about helping, certainly with the the water awareness issue. But I understand that you have been giving back for a very long time. Uh, several other causes that you sort of helped with your athletic abilities. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, the first big endurance challenge was sparked largely by that. Um, My grandma's passed away from lung disease, Mm. and after I had completed my first marathon, I was at the time looking for, to to see what else I can do and see what other challenge I'd like to set for myself, and I ran across the big ride across America. It was a a bike ride from one side of the country to the next with 40 other cyclists, and um, it was to raise funds and awareness for lung disease. So together we raised about a quarter of a million dollars. That one was a really special one for me because I was able to do something in their honor and in their memory, my my grandma's. And um, from then on, I just started seeking more opportunities like that Uh, Mm. in 2007. 2007, while I was in Australia, I did another uh, run for Oxfam and uh, did did a few other endurance trips. But... It's been an important part of my life, you know, and I've just now found endurance and found a way to to sink both passions. But, um, yeah, it's, for me it was just finding something that worked for me, and endurance has, has, uh, has been that. That's that's very interesting that you touched on the the endurance aspect. You know, there's so many uh, ways that ordinary people can make a difference in, in this world, and, and again, that's the, the whole idea of wow, you're living the life where you could be living the life. But it takes some endurance to to, to kind of keep with that passion. And have have you found that that you had encouragement from other other men, other women in your life that that sort of were there to kind of uh, help you build that physical endurance, a little bit of spiritual or, or mental coaching as well? It's funny, when people ask me, you know, how how I am inspired to do, and, and inspiration and, and encouragement is something that comes pretty simply. I mean, even just walking about on a day-to-day basis, you see it in other people, and it could be the smallest thing. And um, But there have been many people, I mean, although this was a solo journey, it truly could not have happened without tons of support from friends and family and support teams and and donors and just general supporters. Um, I mean, when I started this journey, it felt like I was looking at a million-piece puzzle. Um, I didn't know how I would put all the pieces together, but it didn't matter because I realized that it wasn't a puzzle that I was putting together on my own, and all these people along the journey came out, and um, I made new friends with with people that I wouldn't have known otherwise uh, because of this journey. And it's a powerful thing when you have an idea and you're able to share it and there's a thousand small actions that lead just a simple idea and, and, 
and here I am, and here we are, and um, there's a lot of people who have saved drinking water now, so it's great. Wow, that, that's so amazing that, that you could make a difference like that and, and that it all started with being moved by, by a, a sad event that happened in your life and then it built in a, in a positive way more and more. You know, I just want to share with, with uh, all of our listeners that we'd love to uh, uh, have you call in and, and ask uh, Katie some of your own questions. And, of course, you can get on hearwomentalk.com and send in your, 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 your questions via chat. But the thing, it's all about networking and, and, and being with, with people to help get your passion moving. And certainly you can do that on our website, but also uh, talk with Katie about when we come back for some of her additional ideas. Thanks. We'll take a break now. Wow, you're living the life. We have a, a really inspirational woman, Katie Spots, and she's all about living the life. Uh, we are talking on this show about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and our whole purpose is to join uh, women around the world so that we can, in fact, inspire each other, network with each other, and uh, you know, just really encourage each other to do something great today. So, uh, Katie, thank you again for, for joining us. For, for those of you that join, may be joining us late, Katie was uh, the, the first person to first woman to row solo across the Atlantic and in this segment of the show we're going to talk a lot more about that specific adventure and, and journey and what it meant to, to Katie to do it for the purpose of raising awareness on safe safe drinking water needs around the world so Katie thank you again for, for joining us thank you that's great. Hey, so what I'd love to know is, you know, a little bit more about your specific journey. Uh, where did you start? How long was it? You know, just sort of roll with it. Tell us all about it. Sure. Well, um, this January 3rd through March 14th, I uh, set off from Dakar, Senegal, which is the most western part of Africa, and rode, it was a 3,038 uh, 3,038-mile yeah, journey, um, taking 70 days until I reached South America in uh, Guyana. And um, as a result, I became the youngest person ever to do that and then the first American to do it from uh, one continent to the next. Wow. Now, I, of course, saw the picture of your, your rowboat. That's an interesting style boat. Is this a very popular sort of a boat? Does everybody who wants to, uh, you know, do endurance-type uh, races and things of that nature have a boat like this, or, or what is it? Well, there's been more people who have been into space than have rode oceans, so it's certainly not uh, a popular feat. So there's only three of those boats in the world, and that yeah. boat uh, that I have is the only one in the U.S., so it, it, it's designed specifically to row across an ocean. Um, the boat is 19 feet long, so it's just big enough for me to, to live and, and store three months' worth of supplies. Um, I had a little cabin on one end of my rowboat, which was basically the size of a coffin, and then the other, the bow cabin, the front cabin, would have all my supplies, three months' worth of food and uh, medical supplies and all the tools that I needed for my journey and backups of pretty much everything. But it, it's a extremely high tech boat. Um, solar panels powered everything, and uh, I even had a little track. <coughs> excuse me, a tracking device. So I had about 170 countries worldwide tuning in and following me every stroke of the way. 
Wow, that that is so exciting. I definitely want to hear more about that uh, particular journey. We have a call here from Kay. Kay is in uh, Myrtle Beach, and, and as you know, hearwomentalk.com is a global social network and global radio. Kay, please uh, feel free to ask your question anytime you'd like. Thank you, Jody. Katie, it's such an honor to hear you. I am so inspired by you and all the great things you've done, not only rowing across the Atlantic by yourself, but also swimming the Allegheny River, the whole length of it, and other things that you've done. But um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the fear that you might have felt um, in being so vulnerable at sea by yourself for such a long time. I mean, we hear things about the... and. Uh, the pirates that are out there, and then we hear even things with whales, you know, uh, capsizing boats and so on. How did you conquer that fear, and did you run into any problems with seeing men at sea or whales or sharks or anything like that? Uh, well, it's, it's going to sound odd, but the most frightening moments weren't the sharks, whales, or any of the marine life, but it was really when I would run into other humans. Um, I really didn't have any issues with uh, the wildlife other than having a few tuna fish that would treat my boat like a piñata and um, they would bump up against it. But, um, yeah, I did come across a Venezuelan fishing boat uh, two months into the journey. I hadn't seen another human being for for two months, and then I, I see this boat. Um, two hours later... I see what appears to be the same boat, and I get all sorts of ideas that they were coming back for me, especially because I hadn't seen another boat um, for or another, you know, human for months. So it ended up being a completely different boat, still a Venezuelan fishing boat, and it was still an awkward interaction at best. They just started screaming, loca at me which means crazy in Spanish and that was uh, <laughs> the, the only uh, human interaction in two and a half months so wow, um, wow. yeah wow. I, I think with adventures like this um, I, I would say a lot of it is, is the planning and preparations and uh, the rest is luck um, but for me um, the most difficult parts weren't 25 foot waves it wasn't sharks it wasn't the even loneliness or boredom it was just believing in myself um before i set off on this i i saw other adventurers they were primarily men who were more skilled and, and knowledgeable and um yeah it was it, and here i was a 22 year old girl and at the time that I decided to row across the Atlantic, I didn't know how to row. So it was just a huge uh, growing experience for me to believe in myself and stay true to it. Wow. And, and how, how did you uh, mentally prepare for that situation? Well, um, before I, I set off, I did do some extensive meditation retreats. Um, meditation has has been a huge help for me. Before I left, I did some 10-day retreats. So it was meditating 12 hours a day, no reading, no writing, no sort of human interaction whatsoever. So I certainly think that helped me um, with with the uh, isolation I faced at sea. Wow. Just, just learning to be comfortable with yourself and, and not let your thoughts take you down uh, uh, a path that would be destructive and instead uh, help inspire you. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I started as I started practicing. I especially with endurance, you are more aware of those thoughts. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, I'd rather be doing this. Oh, why am I doing this? And doubts and fears are always coming up. But with endurance, I've learned to just listen and not necessarily react to those. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge help, Um, being aware but not needing to respond to it. And... um, if I didn't know how to accept without without reacting, um, then that that would have caused some big problems at once I got out at sea. Fifty um, percent of people actually don't make it, and and it's m- mainly because of the the mental aspect, um, uh, just coping with that and and the the mind games of being alone and being out there for so long. Now the the mind games that's such a, a huge thing and and I think it it certainly you know happens of course in your situation but I think a lot of women go through that as a general rule when they're trying to pursue any sort of passion or anything that excites them uh, shoot maybe men do too I I don't really know about that but I will say that <clears throat> you know I do think that uh, uh, something uh, I was, was said to me recently and uh, and it really kind of ties into what you're saying is just anyone who doubts you know is really just like a wave at at sea you're blown up and down by the wind, but if you, on the other hand, can can take some control over your own journey on your own passion quest, and, and obviously in a, in a very physical way that, that you did, that you you can sort of fight through any of those fears and any of the things that, that sort of keep you from following through on your passion. So, I salute you on that. That's fabulous. Thank you. One thing that I think will shock people is um, that I, growing up, was a bench warmer. I was the worst on most sports teams and um, if you would have asked any of my coaches if, if uh, I would be rowing across the Atlantic or running across deserts, they would laugh. They, they wouldn't believe it and um, it took me, what was most difficult was just believing that I could actually do something like this because I for years said, oh, I'm the bench warmer. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. There's no way. But then I just kind of quieted that and tried it and um, kept trying and it started small with with um, a half marathon and it's ended up with rowing across the Atlantic so I I strongly believe in the power of just doing these small acts and and the power of, of where it can bring you if you keep keep at it Mm. It's just almost like baby steps on on your adventure or your passion. You know, I have a question that, that sort of popped in my mind. You know, how do you decide when a risk is reasonable enough to to take it? I mean, to get up off the bench or to push off, you know, into the Atlantic or or whatever it is that that awaits you. I think passion. Looking at what you're passionate about and just staying true to that. Um, and deciding what's important, what is important to you. Um, it's hard for me to say without knowing, like, a specific situation, but for me, I tried to talk myself out of rowing the Atlantic Ocean. I I was like, Katie, this is going to take you years. Katie, you're going <laughs> to lose a social life over this. Katie, you might be in debt. Katie, don't. This is not... This is not you know, it, it's the least <laughs> able 
position to take in life. And and I to do this, I actually did not have I I did not have support from my family in the beginning stages. They did not want me to do it, and that was very difficult for me. Uh, taking on something that initially was against what most people in my life wanted for me. So I think that if you're able to really just listen to your yourself and, and what you think would be right for you, and, and that will lead you to where you need to be. Wow, those are absolutely su- such wise words. I can share with you that, that I experienced a similar thing on my recent passion quest, uh, certainly left corporate America at a uh, uh, high time in my career to pursue my passion of writing and encouraging others in all kinds of positive life-living ways. And uh, got, got that, got that uh, quite a bit. Wow, you're living a life. I would never do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, well, welcome to the team. <laughs> but, Thank you. I like that little saying. It's like the journey of a, a thousand miles starts with one step. And it, it's, I mean, so I feel like the most difficult part was deciding to do it. Once I was in the middle of the ocean, I was already there. I, you know, the only thing I had to do was keep going. But I think just deciding to do something, just getting the, taking those first few steps in a new direction can often be the most difficult along the way. Wow. And, and you've certainly made that happen for for uh, a lot of people outside of yourself, certainly in, in this uh, rowing across the Atlantic adventure. I know that you mentioned earlier you'd raised quite a bit of money through your efforts. Is is that fundraising still happening for you, by the way? Yep, I'm still accepting donations on the website. The website's rowforwater.com, and um, I also have some pictures and videos and all the blogs on the journey, too. Oh wow! So such an inspiration uh, that's going to last for for you know quite a long time, folks. We're going to take a break and and please do uh, visit rowforwater.com. It, we'll have a link on our site here, Women Talk, uh, and and sort of saluting a lot of Katie's accomplishments. We'll be back in a few minutes. You know, we're all about connecting extraordinary women and ordinary women, and we find that there are everyday Joes and, and wonderful Katies out there that are doing great things for, for others, and then there's extraordinary people out there that are, are ordinary facing the same issues that we are as well. I want to give a shout-out to uh, a public service group named. There's a Girls' Night Out organization, and uh, that is something that's popular, and it's all over America. They happen to be coming to Myrtle Beach on uh, June 16th at uh, 7.30 tonight at the Beach Church. And uh, Connie Cavanaugh is going to be on there. She entertains, inspires audiences with humor and you know a lot of life-giving hope. And, and I think that that powerful combination uh, to share our own life and uh, has, will have a definite impact on listeners. And so, uh, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's tonight at 7.30. So, uh, you know, pop over to the Beach Church on, on Google. You'll find their link. And uh, just a shout-out to that group. Thanks for what you're doing. Hey, so, uh, Katie, Glad, glad to have you here. You're talking about uh, the fact that you're doing a lot of things, not just for women, of course, but, but for people out there. I, I know that you've uh, done some, some uh, volunteer work and, and endurance uh, work with uh, American Heart Association and a few other groups. Do you, you want to give a shout-out to them and, and some of their great causes? Sure. Um, I've linked up with the Blue Planet Run. They work all around the world to help communities gain access to safe drinking water. I've been involved with Habitat for Humanity, and um, what else? 
Oxfam, Oxfam, another big one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Tell us about that the half Ironman uh, triathlon. Uh, what happened there? What what brought you into that group? That kind of thing. Well, some of these um, have been a bit unique. Um, with the half Ironman, I um, was a w- I finished my bike ride across America. I cycled from Seattle to DC, and I was basically working out eight hours every day for a month and a half. So I I signed up for this half Ironman triathlon. Um, A half Ironman is 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike ride followed by a 13.1 mile run. And um, I knew that I was fit from the bike ride. So a week after that ended, I actually signed up for this this race and um, did really well and um, and hope I'm training again to do another marathon. But um, yeah, that one was um, it was a uh, it was a good race. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand you you uh, you did well. You placed well in it as well, and it was just a uh, one challenge after another. I I, uh, I found it so inspiring that uh, you were able to sort of take a a less than uh, athletic high school career. You certainly were, were part of the the team, but it didn't sound like you were out in front. And now you're certainly out in front in in uh, after college. That's great. No. It is well, with endurance. It is. Um, I mean, with most organized sports, I, I it's not an area where you can really excel or you really know until you try some of these things. I mean, growing up, I never really tried to see how far I could ride my bike or anything like that. So, I think it's very likely that a lot of people can, um, you know, tap into endurance um, who who might not be the most athletic in organized sports. Wow. So what other type of uh, sports would fall under the, the category of endurance? What type of competitions? Um, I would say running or walking or cycling, swimming, rowing. Um, yeah, those would be... Mm. It, it's kind of the sports where it's you versus you, and there's no winning or losing. There's just trying, and wow. so I, I kind of like that approach. That, that's so fabulous. You know, that sort of makes me think about some of the neat groups that we have on herewomentalk.com. You know, it is a, this is a whole social interactive radio, and again, we, we broadcast globally and uh, hopefully start chapters for herewomentalk.com in, uh, uh, in, in cities all around America. But, you know, the kind of the neat thing about it is it's sort of like Facebook, but it also connects people face-to-face, and, and I think that that's a way uh, to do it is through different groups. And perhaps uh, we, we have some listeners here that may want to start a, an endurance sports group. I, I think that would really attract a, a lot of people. And so, shoot, Katie, maybe you'll even join and, and start it, and you can be inspiration to uh, some of our future uh, future members here on herewomentalk.com. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things that I find so so interesting, uh, you know, about you is that you continue to uh, pursue all of these different adventures and, and these helpful causes and that kind of thing. You know, a lot of people, they, they get kind of stymied, not, not just by their own fears or, or their own confidence issues, but just how hard it is to, to get a sponsor behind them, for example. And, and uh, certainly for the, the Blue Planet uh, row, row for Water, I mean, you, I looked at your, your blog, your website, you, you have a ton of sponsors. How, how did that happen? Well, um, it took me about two and a half years to prepare for this journey, and Sponsorship was definitely one of the biggest challenges. Um, 
I started off by approaching sponsors with um, gear um, and uh, just kind of donating whether it was food or, um, um, you know, anything I would bring on my boat. And I started with that because that's something that's easier for companies to, to do and then started looking at companies that were uh, where their passion was lined with mine, more water companies like Pentair and Connecticut who uh, already made it their mission to help out communities who, who wanted and needed safe drinking water. Um, but it certainly wasn't easy. Um, it, it took a lot of no's to get to those sponsors that I, that I had for the journey. Wow. And, and how did you approach it? Did you hire uh, somebody to help you, or, or you just sat down there at your word processor and started uh, sending emails or, or typing up letters? I mean, how, how did you, uh, you know, uh, reach out to these people? Well, when I say this started from pretty much just this idea on a bus in Australia, that's, you know, how it was. I, I just did it off my computer and, and researched online, Called and followed up with, with sending sponsorship proposals and letters to these companies and sometimes would give presentations about the row. Um, building a, a website and maintaining that was really important too because sponsors want to know that, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's not really about the feet, but it's about your ability to share the feet. Mm. Um, so that's something that's important for sponsors to see that other people are actually tuning in and care about what you're doing. Wow. You know, I think that that, that is so important to, to share. It certainly, of course, uh, your, your sponsors would want uh, others to know that they're behind uh, good causes and not just profits and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I do think it's amazing when you do stumble on a story somewhere on the Internet. We're, we're so fortunate that we do have this, this global Internet presence and, and can just discover things uh, with a moment's notice almost. It's nice to have good it, it stories. Was, yeah. It is amazing. I mean, when the first ocean rower crossed maybe the 70s, and just in the last decade it's been able to really take a different spin with with social media and I had a Twitter account so I was tweeting right smack dab in the middle of the ocean. I was relaying pictures and um, mm. even doing interviews with uh, like Rosie O'Donnell and a few others right in the middle of the Atlantic. Wow, that, that's just absolutely so amazing and so you you never really felt alone even though you were certainly in, the, in that solo mode for sure. Oh yeah, I mean the amount of support and even the comments on my blogs really made a huge difference. I mean, when I was out there, being solo certainly heightens every emotion, every uh, feeling that, that I had. Sometimes the good would feel really good and the bad, you know, would feel terrible just because I had so little to hold on to. So whenever I did get some encouraging words, it made all the difference in getting me across. Wow. Now, one, one of the things that, that uh, I, I sort of talk about in my own book, Talk a Different Game, uh, is about that, the perspective that you can use to get through some of these times. And, and one of the things that, that, that appeals to me is the, the athletic perspective. You know, if you're, you're losing a game or you're, you're behind in maybe what you would hope to accomplish rowing that day for storms or other kinds of things or even your own mood, and somehow you find it, in, it that, that athletic endurance piece just comes out and pulls you through. 
it's sort of like people are on a team with you as well, it seems like, you know, the, the people that were touching base with you. Absolutely. I mean, although I was alone at sea, um, I, it wouldn't have been, it, it wouldn't have meant what it has if I didn't have those people who were, who were sharing that with me. Wow. Did, were you ever humbled by uh, something that happened that, you know, you thought you, you had all this food, you had the best boat out there, you know, it's powered by solar, of course we love that, it was good for the environment, of course there's some awareness there, and, and you've got this connection and, you know, with people over the internet, all that kind of thing. So you've done everything that you were supposed to do, and then maybe something didn't go as, you, as planned. Did that ever sort of happen and sort of change how you approach things? Well, there was a, a pretty big change near the end. Um, well, I uh, I was rolling along, and I was approaching the coast of South America. I was about 100 miles away, so I was so close that I could nearly taste it, but um, I had some really, really big waves. I had about 20 to 25-foot waves and really turbulent seas. I mean... When I was closing my eyes, I felt like I was missing something because of how rapidly the conditions were changing. So um, I knew that there was no way I could land uh, near that the coast without needing a tow to help me safely arrive during those last 10 or 20 miles. And um, I wasn't interested in, in having a boat tow me in and uh, I, I ended up adding another 400 miles to the journey. So that could have easily kept me out there for two more weeks wow. to ensure that I could um, land under my own steam. Mm. Well, that took such resolve. That, that's so so impressive, and, and I'm certain that uh, our callers and our listeners uh, would certainly benefit from knowing that there are people like you out there that just you know power on, power through it. It's so great. You know, uh, how how many days were you at sea actually? Seventy days, so two and a half months. Mm. Wow! And is that what you expected, or was, was it um, obviously it was four hundred miles longer? Maybe it was a little bit different in terms of time. Well, I, I before I set off, I packed for a hundred and ten days worth, and I expected it to take between seventy and a hundred days. So really, I was well ahead of schedule. And so that helped me in my decision to to keep on rowing. Wow, that's terrific. You know, uh, I guess we're going to take a break right now, and I, I definitely appreciate it. We'll have one more segment with, with Katie, and perhaps we'll uh, we'll uh, talk about some of the, the funnier sides of, of her adventure when we come back. Please do join us at hearwomantalk.com, and we'll give you links to everything we talked about on the show today. Thank you. Spots. She's an endurance athlete, uh, past bench warmer, now now gone uh, to extremes to be exciting, adventurous, and and helping others. And uh, uh, Katie, uh, you know, thank you again for for certainly for being on our show, but also for all the good things you're doing for people to raise awareness for safe drinking water. That's so great. Well, thank you. Cool. So we were talking a little bit, uh, if you've just joined us uh, with Katie, about, about her adventures at sea and, and uh, some of the, the tough, tougher times. Uh, I bet you there were a few times when, when you just found uh, you know, humor and, and, and a simple pleasure. Can, can you share that with us? Well, there were definitely some highs and some lows. I mean, um, I guess one of the funniest parts of the journey was um, my interactions with the fish. Um, there were quite a few 
uh, flying fish, and I would often be their little moving target as I was hit <laughs> by these these flying fish along the way. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, tell me a little bit about those flying fish. I mean, are they, like, gigantic, or are they small? I mean, what, what's up with that? Well, they vary in uh, size, but they can hop out, like, 10 feet, and um, maybe most of them were about 6 inches long. So, uh, yeah, I'd just be rolling along, and sometimes I'd be hit by these flying fish that I didn't expect and didn't know where they came from, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it definitely made for a, a, a funny row. Oh, I bet that was great. Now, I'm sort of like curious about uh, some of the weather uh, experiences that you had out there. Was there a lot of uh, great weather or bad weather, or, or, you know, what did you experience? Well, before I even set off on this row, I did work with a weather guy, so we had a pretty good idea of what to expect. Um, and I, I really didn't have many issues with weather. For the most part, it was 80 or 90 degrees, sun, clouds, and very little rain. Um, it mainly just drizzled two or three days out of the trip, and the rest was, was clear skies. Um, the, near the end of my journey, I did have 20 to 25-foot waves, but that was a result of a really strong current and some some strong winds that were in opposition, so it wasn't even a it wasn't necessarily a storm. Wow! Um, I guess you got you got a little bit luckier than uh, our, our sailor Abby uh, recently. Certainly, she she was saved, as I understand. But uh, I'm happy you didn't have any of those experiences. Did Did you know Abby at all? I didn't, um, but I was following her journey a little bit. Uh, hers there were a few differences. I hers was a sailing boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was rowing, so it's a a bit different. But yeah, it's unfortunate that that happened. But it's really the nature of doing things like this. You're pinning yourself up against things that are out of your control. And um, when you do adventures, it's important to know what's within your control and what's not. And and something like what happened to her really wasn't necessarily um, a reflection on her. Yeah. Wow. You know, we have a, a caller, Fonda, and uh, she's, I believe, still on the line. Is she, Dustin? Great. Fonda, please uh, feel free to go ahead anytime you'd like. Well, um, you both just touched on what my, the basic premise of my question is. Um, with the recent controversy in the news about Abby, um, you know, and her attempt to sail around the world alone, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious, Katie, you know, you've, you've done it, so you know what... Um, mental and intestinal fortitude it takes to to take on a venture like that. Um, what is your opinion of a 16-year-old? I have a daughter who's 16 and who is very mature for her age and very capable, but she's still only 16. So, what is what is your opinion about you know mentally what it takes to take on a venture like that? Well, I when I was 16. There was no way that I was mentally prepared to do any of these types of challenges, and I know that my parents wouldn't let me. I mean, if they had a way to stop me from doing them now, they they would try. So I, I think it's interesting with adventures because you can prepare and prepare and prepare. You can have all the experience and all the knowledge, but mentally you really never know until you're out there. Uh, a lot of ocean rowers go out there 
and within the first week or two, they, they just ask to be pulled back in and, and just can't handle it. So I think she did have everything she needed to, to make it a successful attempt by having the right people behind her and, and having all the knowledge and skills. But mentally, it's so difficult to prepare for something because it's so far out of your comfort zone. It's so far out from any other experience you've ever had. And, and um, so it's, it's a huge unknown. Hmm. Right. Well, I just, you know, I just, I just think, you, you know, you're at 16. You, you, just don't even have the life experience to be able to handle situations or to be able to think quickly on situations that may come up. And I just, you know, I, I still question the parents allowing her to do something like that. Not because she wasn't physically capable or didn't have the knowledge of how to handle the boat, but just mm-hmm. that you just don't have those enough life experiences to be able to wing it when you're throwing a curveball as it were and Absolutely. i just i'm just curious you know as as someone who has now done that and was alone for 70 days how you know you know what your your thoughts were on allowing a 16 year old to do it i personally not a chance but mm-hmm. <laughs> i just was mm-hmm. curious so thank you very much for your thoughts on that wow thanks for your question yeah thanks a lot for calling oh, in fonda sure. my pleasure yeah, that does sort My of. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That that sort of uh, uh, poses another question that I'd, I'd love to toss out there to uh, other HearWomenTalk.com uh, members and listeners and callers. You know, if you could do something dangerous, you know, just once, and and you knew that you could prepare for for the risk, uh, or or that no risk would affect you somehow, if you just like the sixteen year old believed that you were invincible, perhaps, you know, what would you do? Would you row across the Atlantic, or would would you start uh, an endurance group? Would you do the Ironman like 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 Katie, or would you? I think Katie, you've also done some nifty things of uh, trying to help uh, other athletes uh, certainly get get shoes around the world. You realized it in one of your your relays. I saw that some people did not have the money for for shoes. So you know you've been finding a way to make a difference uh, in in so many different ways. And callers, if you have any ideas about you know something that, that you think uh, you might like to do and, and what it takes to get started, please, please do uh, let us know, and we'll, we'll be happy to chime in with that. Uh, hey, Katie, you know, back to uh, you know some of these things that, that you've uh, taken on. What, what was the hardest thing you ever did? The row was by far the most difficult as a, a day after day event. Um, I mean, there there are moments out at sea where I would have given anything to be back on land and and other you know others where I felt like being on the sea was the best place in the world to be so um I think because of the being because of the nature of being on a rowboat there's no escape on a bike if something breaks if some if you want a different meal or whatever you are able to find a way to 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 deal with that but once you're in an ocean uh you 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 don't have those options so you really have to dig deep in order to see it through when things start to break when when your body starts to get sea sea sores and blisters and all sorts of um you know ailments so the row um but for a one day event i'd I'd say the i did a 62 mile ultra marathon in australia and that was extremely difficult i mean it was a 
it had a record high, and then at night it was raining, so the trail was literally sucking us uh, these teams in. So that was that was by far the most difficult 24 hours I've experienced in, in endurance. Wow. When, when you were in some of those those trying experiences, would you say that uh, the, the, the most important thing that sort of got you through that was your, your knowledge of, of the sport, or was it common sense and, and some of the, the training that, that you've done? Within, with these challenges, I think that being present is what enabled me to do these things. Um, when you're doing a 1,000-mile or 3,000-mile or a very long journey, the, the scale of it is so big that it's overwhelming. And you look at those numbers, you look at those days, and you just can't fathom it sometimes. So for me... The only way I knew how to get across was to take it one stroke, one breath, one day, one step at a time. Um, and if I started to look at the bigger picture, it would just disable me. I, 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 I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So for much of that journey, I really didn't allow my mind to go too far into the future. And I felt, you know, my, yeah, just very present because every moment took so much effort and um, yeah yeah being present Wow so there there you have it folks that is Katie Spots she is a uh, not so ordinary girl being who's become extraordinary through her own uh, desire to live a valuable life and, and give back and certainly it sounds like she has her faith and passions well placed in, in life for sure uh, Katie uh, you can uh, talk more with Katie or follow up with Katie at rowforwater.com and, and uh, certainly help ra- raise awareness for, for clean water and some of the other great things out there and uh, Katie thank you so much for, for being on WOW You Are Living the Life and uh, I do encourage you to, to please join uh, Hear Women Talk we'd love to have you as one of our um, star members and model your profile out there. <laughs> you are somebody Thank to be so uh, admired. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. This is uh, the Jody Lynn Smith Show, Hear Women Talk Radio, and hearwomentalk.com. Thank you.